0: Lock Talk Radio Riding into this world, all alone You gotta take your soul, you're on your own A crow flies straight, the perfect line
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a live edition of Williams Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined tonight with co-host Trey Patterson. Trey, hope you're staying warm, man. Hope the snow's not too
2: bad in Montgomery. I don't think we have any snow yet, buddy. I'm not sure we're going to get any tonight, but hopefully those of you who are doing uh, you know, the snow thing this uh, evening are staying safe and warm. Well, I'm doing the
1: snow thing, man. I found out something today, Trey. Man, I can drive very good in ice, man. You know, if nobody's on the road, man, I'm a, I'm a great driver when it comes to to driving long distances in the snow and the ice. So, but so keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. Well, man, I, I mean, we we have to start off tonight, Trey, and and talk about Derek Jeter. Man announced his retirement. You know, I'm. I'm a big baseball fan, but I'm not a big player fan. But one player I do like a lot, and you know this, is Derek Jeter. Trey, all he stands for, he decides that the 2014 season this is going to be his final season. It all has been with the Yankees. Give us your initial thoughts about Derek Jeter. I'm going to miss him.
2: Well, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of about time. You know, you, you knew that him and Mariano Rivera would not do it in the same season. I think baseball would have imploded at least in the city of New York. Uh, but yeah, you're right. This guy is, uh, one of the greats. I mean, he's going to go down, uh, I think top five or four in hits. I mean, he's going to be up there. I mean, he's, I think 120 something hits shy of the all time shortstop record and hits. I mean, this guy is going to, um, you know, they just don't make 3,000 hitters anymore. I mean, just the, once the third era completed, guys like Derek Jeter were few and far between. And, um, you know, Tarman, the baseball is going to miss something from a guy like him. And you, you see a lot of player reaction, uh, like you've seen today. Uh, you know that it's class act. I mean, guys who are his main opponents were saying today on Twitter, if you were not following them, uh, talking about how great of a competitor he was and how really classy he was during the game uh, to his competitors. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer, Trey? Absolutely, no doubt about it.
1: Good. I, I agree, and think about five World Series championships this guy has, and, and with the same team. I mean, there's one fixture with the New York Yankees, Derek Jeter's there, and with all the A-Rod negativity going around, Trey, it was always nice to know that Mariano Rivera and Jeter, were the they were the face of the Yankees, really, if you think about it. So looking at Derek Jeter, I'm going to miss him, but well, what stands out to you about Jeter the most that makes you – it makes him one of your most favorite players if he is.
2: Well, I mean, I, I, he's never been a favorite player of mine. i always respected what he's done on the field uh, and the way he's sort of uh, carried himself. He's never been a guy to get caught up in a lot of off-season uh, type of garbage. But, I mean, I, I think that if you look at the way he plays the game and the sportsmanship for which he sort of stands for, I think that's something that, you know, youngsters who play baseball or any sport, can kind of mold themselves after. I mean, when your opponents speak so highly of you uh, and say how classy you were on the field and, they, you know, congratulating you for your first hit, you know, and, you know, tapping you on on your back and saying, hey, you made really a good play, uh, your opponents, you know, that matters. I mean, he's always been a true competitor. You know, you can see that on the field. But he's always treated his, uh, you know, everyone else in the field as opponents with class and respect.
1: Well, I want to let all the listeners out there know that we're probably going to be going for an hour tonight. So if you'd like to call in, there's a lot going on in the sports world, Trey. We're going to try to cover it in an hour. If we go a little bit over an hour, that's fine. But I want the callers to have a chance to call in and discuss anything going on in the sports world right now. And you hear ESPN talking, Trey, Finebaum, and all these guys. You might get in and get a chance to talk. You might not hear. You're going to get a chance to to voice your opinion but everybody remember keep everything professional keep it clean this is a show for everyone so watch your language call it number 646-716-5564 and Trey, it's just it's not too long away the nfl draft they moved it to may instead of april I mean, what are your initial thoughts of the draft i know we're going to do a draft show several of them but Looking at it right now, Houston with the first pick, I just want to guess from you, do they keep this first pick or do they trade it away?
2: Yeah, I I think I'm leaning right now towards them keeping it, uh, but I would not. I mean, both them and the Rams, uh, I think, uh, might be advantageous from the trade down. And and the reason is, I'll be honest, I'm not sold on any of the quarterbacks (laughs) who are slated to be first-round draft picks, Tarvin. And so when you think about that and you think about, uh, perhaps the best player, really in the draft, maybe Yadeveon G- G- Clowney, uh, and with all the quarterbacks who um, teams might be after, you might be able to steal some uh, some picks and still get Clowney by turning down only a few spots. So we'll have to see how these teams get creative in this regard, Tarvin. But I think if if the Texans keep the pick, I think you know Clowney and Watts has a pretty good ring to it. But you know there's a lot to be, there's a lot still going on with the draft.
1: Yeah, I'm very
2: very interested. I remember last year, Trey,
1: you did a great job of when we were predicting the picks and everything, who would go where you did an awesome job. I'm just interested this year to see this first round. I think it's going to be very dramatic. You know, Trey, nothing's better than getting trades during the draft, and that's, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. But, you know, it's May. You know, three months away, we'll do the draft. It's a long way. But one player I want to ask you about, Trey, before we move on, uh, Greg Robinson, the tackle out of Auburn. You know, some people have him in the top five, some have him two. Where do you think he ends up and why in the first round?
2: Well, you know, the real consideration, and, and again, what you said rings true and rings true because, you know, until we've seen these guys in combines, until we've had time to look at tape, um, and I don't put as much into combines as I do in, in actual game film. But until you have some time to digest a lot of this stuff, it's hard to say some of these guys, um, because we've all all seen, you know, the Jamarcus Russell Russell effect where they look great on uh, the pro days and that kind of stuff, and it doesn't translate on the field. But, you know, Tarvin, I I think Robinson is going to be the number two lineman taken, if not the number one. Um, Looking at him right now, I think he could go one. Not number one overall, though, Tarvin. Number one as a lineman, I think, Possibly as high as number two, but I think Jake Matthews uh, has a little bit more stability to him, and you know a little bit more about what you get with him. So I think a team, whether or not they just think Robinson's ceiling is just higher or higher, excuse me, than, um, than Matthews, I think that is why he may jump up to number two overall pick and the number one lineman taken. But um, you know, we'll have to see how teams look at that. I mean, I think Matthews might be a more solid bet, uh, but Robinson may have the higher ceiling.
1: Well, Jameis Winston, the quarterback for Florida State, came out and said he was going to stay two more years at Florida State. I, I don't believe it. I want your thoughts on that in a minute. But first of all, if he, was able, if he was able to go into the draft right now, Trey, do you think he would be the number one overall pick in this year's draft?
2: You know, I think it's possible. You know, with the quarterbacks out there, uh, would he be, um, you know, stratified above them? Possibly. Um, I, I still think that um, the other guys would be in the consideration, and you still have a, you know, the clowny um, you know, school of thought. But he would certainly be up there, Tarvin. I, you know, I, I don't know that I would guarantee anything at number one, because, uh, I mean, we've seen um, players, you know, who were going to be the number one overall pick, and they fall the next year. I mean, Jake Walker, Ralph talked about a lot on the show, uh, was in that realm, and so were some other guys. So, I mean, I think that we're, he'd be in the consideration tournament as, as far as I'll go. All
0: right. Well, I
1: just want to throw that out there since you love the Florida State Seminoles trade. But staying in college football, you know, we went from Winston and now we're in college. Looking at this Auburn-Alabama rivalry trade, uh, I don't know if you, you're familiar with Rashawn Evans, the linebacker we talked about on our show that shows Alabama over Auburn. Tell me your thoughts about this backlash he's getting. I mean, it seems like to me the son and the dad are are crying right now because his son's getting, you know, not I mean not bullied or anything, but harassed maybe because he chose the tide over Auburn. Is this a big deal to you, or does this happen everywhere?
2: Well, I mean, I guess I guess I have two points. One is, is I think what the father said. I don't. I'm not sure it's been verified. Um. Yeah, I, I saw the story on AL.com, but I didn't see um, really the link to the actual story. I think that's what's missing for me. Uh, but I will say, Tarvin, in, in no way, in no shape, and no form should anyone ever take out, you know, any kind of angst on these student-athletes or, you know, I mean, the, the kid chose a different school. You know, if you can't live with that or grasp it, then perhaps, you know, maybe look at you know, sort of simmering down a little bit. Uh, because, you know, he, he chose what's best for him. I think, you know, and in that regard, you know, you may not agree with it, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, go out and you beat him on the field. Um, there's no need to, to blow somebody up on social media because they chose a school that, you know, is not your fan base. Well, Trey, looking at this, and people don't know the story maybe,
1: his father uh, actually came to Auburn and played. And it was the bad thing about it, he played running back at the time Bo Jackson was there. And sorry, there's no playing time, so he transferred away. But what I'm hearing in this story is the kid, Rashawn, never told Auburn that he was going to go there. Never never tried to to make him believe he was coming. His dad kind of set all this up with Auburn, really. But his son always was committed in his heart to Alabama, so a lot of these Auburn fans and and people classify them all together. Every Auburn fan doesn't go out there and harass teenagers. Uh, most of them have a life, the ones I know. But uh, to make it look like every Auburn fan is bad because of this, that's absurd. When you look at Alabama, Trey, their kicker missed a couple of kicks against Auburn, and he was getting death threats on Twitter. Does that does that reflect bad on the entire Alabama fan base? No. But the thing is, Rashawn Evans, the commit and his dad, need to have a little thicker skin because you're in the big leagues now. You're playing in the SEC. You're playing for Alabama. And, Trey, if his dad's going to come running to the media all the time, I mean, there could be some problems here playing in the SEC. I think people will pick up on how sensitive this kid is, and then they're going to start doing this more and more, don't you think? If he would ignore it and let it go, I think it would go away. But the fact is, he's not letting it go which is fueling the fire for a lot of fans, even other people, maybe not even Auburn fans, posing to be Auburn fans coming on harassing us.
2: Well, I don't think that by reporting harassment, it's okay to harass more. Um, and I don't think that, you know, you should have to put up with harassment. I, I don't. Now, you can choose to go to the media. You can say, hey, this is going on. You can choose not to. Um, but, I mean, there, there's no excuse for anyone doing it, Tarvin, and I'm not going to ever say there is. Uh, There's just no place in it. Uh, Whether he wants to report it or not, you know, how how I would handle it and you would handle it may be all different. But certainly I don't think there's any way or form
0: that anybody
2: should feel like they've somehow vindicated themselves because he reported it. I mean, just don't do it. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Uh, And and you're right, Harvin, it's not a majority of the fans who do it. Uh, But it certainly is. It reflects very poorly on an entire base. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, what we all live with. You know, when one fan comes out and does something really stupid, we all go, man, you know, don't – I wish he wasn't a fan for my school. You know, that certainly doesn't look like the rest mm-hmm. of us do. And we all kind of have those moments. And I think a lot, a lot of Auburn fans right now are trying to tell these other guys, you know, hey, stop doing this. Well, I think a lot of these are coming from high school,
1: Trey. I mean, he goes to Auburn High School. And you know how high school kids are. My gosh, I mean, they're – People in high school, they bully people, they talk trash all the time. Imagine him going into class every day and people making fun of him, laughing at him. That's going to happen. I don't care where you go or why, especially if you're in the hometown school of, of Auburn right there. You're at their high school. It's going to happen. But I just look at this. I think this story being blown out of proportion a little bit, and I think people are, are looking at it like Alabama fans are taking a lot of pride in it because it takes eyes off them with the Harvey Updike, the T-Bagger, uh, the death threats to the kicker and everything. So, Trey, what I'm trying to say is this happens everywhere. So people that think it's the majority of the fan bases, I think they're wrong because I've, I haven't heard one person that I'm in association with say anything about this kid after signing day. But, hey, I hope he does well. The kid never did anything bad to Auburn. He never Never tried to lead them along or anything. It was remember what we talked about. Trade these experts and analysts were were sitting there saying he was going to Auburn. I don't recall the kid ever saying anything about Auburn coming there.
2: Yeah, I mean you're right. A lot of hype, a lot of fans, and a lot of people sort of bring this on themselves. I mean I agree with you completely on that. Um, and you're right. I don't know anybody personally who's done any of this stuff. Uh, well, I'll take that back. I mean I have seen people who we follow on the show. Uh, you know, fans of our show who have, you know, tweeted at uh, recruit. I've seen it, you know, and I, I, I don't like it. Uh, but it's certainly uh, <laughs> one of those things that, uh, that you know, I can say that it is not in the majority.
1: Well, Trey, I mean, surprise, surprise, Jonathan Miklos. We know he's not stuck in the snow right now in Florida. But, Jonathan, welcome to the show, man. How's it going?
3: Um, wet, very, very, very wet today. A lot of uh, rain, some heavy rain. Uh, I feel sorry for the snow you guys are having to go through. I really do, but I would rather have that than the monsoon we had earlier.
1: Well, tell us, you're you're listening to us right here with uh, Alabama recruit Evans. What are your thoughts about this entire story here? You've heard me and Trey talk about it. What
3: do you think? I, I think the whole thing's rather ridiculous, to be honest with you. Um, the the Auburn fans, if you want to call them, I think they're more like diseased. At this point, who put up the <laughs> kid's address and all this, you know, dirty laundry, and it, it's ridiculous. It really is. the The kid, I, I think the story is getting blown a little bit out of proportion. So the kid's getting some good natured ribbing thrown his way from his high school classmates. That's to be expected. That's like kids who go to um, Leon High School in Tallahassee and decide they're going to go to you know University of Florida. They're going to get picked on. And, you know, it happens. It's kind of what you expect. But when you've got grown adults, people twice his age going after this kid, we have issues. And I, I think this is just where guys like me and you, we sit back, and I know uh, there's people just like these guys in my fan base, and they're like, you know what? You guys are making all of us look bad. I really want to disassociate um, from you, and I really want to ban you from just, you know, ever partaking in anything positive when it comes to our sports team because you're a disease. I I, I wish the kid nothing but luck at Alabama, but these Auburn fans are starting to go a little these, and it's just like a small group of them are starting to go overboard.
1: Well, guys, and Trey, I'll start with you. How does this affect future recruiting for Auburn? If you're a five-star commit out there and, and Auburn calls you, they offer you a scholarship, does that kind of make you a little hesitant seeing what this kid's going through, or do you look at it knowing that he's from Auburn and this is normal because this is the first time that I ever remember, and I could be wrong, any heckling like this from a, a commit uh, besides Reuben Foster from Auburn
2: High School. Trey, what do you think about future recruiting? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I said, Reuben Foster, um, and uh, Tarvin, I, I think you hit on a, a really good head there, a hammer to, hit, to nail there. You know, you look at what Evans, who went to high school with Reuben Foster, if I'm not mistaken, you look at what Reuben Foster went through with the fan base, and you have to think, well, how did Evans look at that? You know, how did he look at poorly at, at, you know, some of the fan base? you got to look at the Ole Miss recruits who went down to Ole Miss and, and did not like what they saw on the fan base. You know, so you mm-hmm. and I have talked about this, Tarvin, and I think you and I are at least maybe the only people talking about this, that fan bases can negatively impact your recruiting. Uh, and we've mm-hmm. seen it time and time again, and I think you can say Evans might have been affected by Ruben Foster. I mean, we know why he said that. Uh, we're speculating, but we know there have been other commits in, in the SEC who have blatantly come out and said, hey, the, the fan base turned me off on this school when I went to my visit and I saw what what it is, you know, their fan base say and do. So, I mean, Tarvin, you're right, man. I think you can be.
1: Jonathan, do you think it's time for Gus
2: Malzahn to come out,
1: maybe Jay Jacobs, AD, and kind of make a statement and kind of put some of these fans in line? I mean... This is ridiculous. Anybody that would harass a kid that's an adult now, an adult needs to be talked to, and maybe, you know, a few months passes, this is water under the bridge. But don't you think the coach should come out and say something right now and make a statement?
3: I would. I would actually, um, I would like to hear Gus Malzahn come out and say, look, I love you guys. You're great fans. You supported our program through the tough times, and, you know, we, we love it when you're here for the great ones. But at this point, You guys need to realize what you're doing now negatively affects us when it comes to pursuing future recruits. You're putting a bad mark, you're putting a skid mark on Auburn because you guys are acting like a bunch of fools, and it just gives us a bad rep. And I would respect Gus Malzahn even more than I already do, which I thought would be pretty hard to do if he came out and said that, because every coach should say that when something like this comes out. Because I, coaches know, we heard uh, Coach Let, uh you know, Sunday, um, our last Wednesday, bring, bring it up. And he goes, you know, the, the players, they listen to the fans. They listen to, you know, the guys who are already here and how they're committing. You know, some of them said we're committing just because we like these players better, things like that. It's important to these kids. You know, being two years removed from high school myself, I can tell you it's very important to some of these kids.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's time now. And, and when you said the fans that backed you from the good and the bad, Jonathan and Trey, I think these are the fans that actually didn't back Auburn. And if you're a 3-9, and nine, if you're a true Auburn fan, you you went to all the games, you watched them 3-9, and nine, you still showed up at work or wherever and, and still represented your team, I, I think those fans are the ones that that would never say anything. These fans are the... The low liars, the the trash that come out and only support teams when they win. So I don't know. I, if I'm Gus, I'm just making a statement, of, and I'm clearing Evans's name as well. If I'm Gus, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, look, we were disappointed that we lost this kid. We really wanted him to play, but he never let us on or anything. He never told us he was coming, and I just I just wish he'd come out and do it that way. I mean, this this robbery has enough hate in it uh, just to go ahead and do that because. Recruiting's everything in college football. Gus knows it. You know it. Trey, you know it. Everybody knows it. So it's time to nip stuff like this in the bud. And Trey, the, the same week, this happens really. Um, one of Auburn's prize recruits gets arrested. He had about 100 tons of marijuana and a gun in the car with four people. Man, I mean, what do you do right now if you're Gus? Do you kick this kid off the team or, or what do you do? Well, uh, Jonathan, you caught
2: me off guard with that one. I I, uh, I follow a recruiting and i recruiting. It's a slip of the there, but a, an arrest website that posts all the arrests from all the colleges, and that one has slipped through me so over by me. I I have not heard of this. So, uh, which recruit was it? With was the four-star, like four, he's a four-star defensive back
1: from Florida. Bezim, I think his name is Jonathan. Correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong on, on that pronunciation, but yeah, he was arrested. Um, last weekend, actually last Saturday, four people in a car in Miami. Yeah, he was in the passenger side. They had like what 200 grams of marijuana, something like that, and uh, a handgun, yeah, and nobody blamed. And so they blamed everybody, Trey, and that's what happened. Everybody mm-hmm. got sentenced with everything.
2: Well, I, I think uh, if I'm Auburn, you gotta you have to suspend him from the program, uh, and let the justice system take it take its course. I mean, I think you can't have him associated with a football team right now. Um, but, you know, if this is one of those situations where they're, you know, they're, I always like to wait and see. Uh, if I'm a head mm-hmm. coach, I like to, I like to make, you know, see if my guys are going to come out of it. Uh, and if there's criminal charges, obviously, you know, if he gets charged, then that's a step in the process towards the wrong direction for that young man. Uh, but I think for now, you know, I always like to wait and see because sometimes it sounds worse than it is because it sounds it sounds bad. Um, but, you know, Tarvin, I think right now I think you got to suspend him from the program and say, you know, until, until this is cleared up, you know, I'm sorry, but you can't be part of the program right now. Jonathan, I'm kind of surprised that Gus hasn't already come
1: out and, and suspend him indefinitely right now. I mean, it just seems like maybe Gus is waiting a little too long for this. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think he is. At this point in the process, um, if I'm the head coach, I suspend him immediately. I mean, as soon as these charges are announced, he is suspended from the program. You know, I, I want to wait and see, if, like Trey said, you got to see how the process goes, because at the end of the day, if you kick this kid out and say, you know, you're never welcome here, and it winds up that he's innocent with somebody else in the car, that he it was unknowing, or didn't, You know, he didn't know the gun was there, and he thought he was just there to smoke some pie, and didn't know that they were you know, with the intent to sell, then, you know, Gus all of a sudden looks like, you know, he might have pulled the trigger too quickly. But I think you do need to suspend him, and you need to wait and see how this process plays out. Because he, if he is, you know, put the trial on a felony, if he is, you know, gosh, you can't have this kid in your program. There's no way you can have a no. in your program with felony possession of a handgun and felony intent to sell. There's no way. What?
1: Let me tell you what's dangerous right now, guys. If, if you remember the three and nine Auburn team, you had the arrest, you had the robbery, armed robbery. Uh, the four guys went to mm-hmm. prison. You had during that time of the three and nine, you had a lot of things going on bad, and it seemed like last year Gus sent it in the right direction. And you can't control every kid. I'm not saying that, but you put a stop mm-hmm. to stuff like that immediately. You don't let it come back mm-hmm. in your program. You keep, keep You keep it out. In a distance, And, Jonathan, you're right. What you do is suspend the kid and say pending further investigation or whatever. He's got to prove himself innocent, really. That's what he, what he has to do. And, Gus, you better start waking up and, and taking action on this stuff now. We can't have a repeat of what happened. But uh, while we're in mm-hmm. college football, guys, just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on the new rule they're trying to come up with the NCAA Football Committee is proposing changes for the 2014 season that would loosen the reins on defensive substitutions and lessen the penalties for targeting fouls. Trey, I'll start with you. They're trying to to make it where you can't snap the ball with 20 unless there's 29 seconds or less on the play clock. What do you what do you think
2: about that one? I, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, what what a what a joke. I mean, pardon this this rule which has been, I guess sort of veiled or cloaked in the the falsity that is player safety. And that's what they're talking about now. Oh, this is a player safety. This is not about player safety. This is about sort of trying to get the defense somehow an advantage. I, I just don't like it, Tarvin. I don't like anything about it. Uh, and I just think it's a, a terrible idea. This is just, again, taking away from the excitement that we know to be college football. And, and, you know, defenses have adjusted just fine without them trying to change the rule.
0: Jonathan, is
2: it, is it, has Nick Saban's
1: crying actually actually benefited, and maybe they're going to start looking at this rule? Because you remember years ago, he's been talking about this and whining about it. He struggled with it, and now these rule changes. I hope to God this doesn't happen.
3: Well, it's, gonna, it's probably going to happen, I and mean, we just need to come to terms with this. And the main reason behind this is you have the lawsuits now. I saw an infomercial the other day. Or you an NCAA college football player who sustained a concussion and want to, uh, you know, join our class action lawsuit? Well, the NCAA, at this point, they have no chance. I mean, they have – there's nothing they can do but try and prevent further um, injuries. You've got to limit the number of plays. because so the more plays there are, the more chances there are of guys to get hurt. And that's what they're trying to do. The only reason that the NCAA is, is you know, considering this rule change, and it will probably pass, is because of these lawsuits. They're trying to cover themselves. That's it. You know, if, if all these players drop this lawsuit of concussions, that rule change will go away. I guarantee you right now, if, all, if that class action concussion lawsuit disappears, this rule change will disappear. But until then, this is what's going to happen. Players are going to keep a clear suit of concussions. We've seen it ruin the NFL. People are whining from crying about these injuries. So the NCAA is like, well, we've got to limit the number of opportunities for guys to get hurt because so we've got to limit the number of plays. That's all it's in reaction to. I blame the players who are suing the NCAA over the concussion. I do not blame the, uh, the heads of the football programs for uh, bringing this rule about. This is all about the concussion and all the whining and crying that's coming along with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, right now college football is changing the offensive side of the ball. You see these teams that they can't recruit top ten talents. Sorry about the noise in the background for a moment. You see these teams that can't they don't have the talent on the field, but yet they try to even it out by doing something different. And you have to applaud these coaches for coming up with systems and schemes to be able to win football games. I mean, Trey, Rich Rodriguez, I mean, what's he got to do now? And then you have Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn. Do you see Gus Malzahn running a slow-paced offense? I mean, all this does is benefit Alabama's and LSU's of the world, really. Yeah, I mean, you need to
2: mention Rich Rodriguez who came out, and I think his statement was, this is ridiculous. Um, and I think a lot of coaches are going to think that, a lot of coaches are not going to be for this. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is submitted for comment. It'll be really interesting to see what, what comes out of this, if it does actually make it through, because there's going to be a lot of coaches and a lot of programs who are very opposed to this. So, I mean, you, I mean, this goes to all EMCA schools. I mean, so there's a lot of, a lot of you know, wide-open offenses, a lot of wide-open philosophy coaches out there, who are going to be uh, telling their ads? There's no way this has to, this gets through.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: excited to, to see if I'm if I'm a coach of this type of offense and they do this the first game, I'm going to get penalized 50, 60 times. I'm going to piss off everybody associated with football, and I'm going to make these officials throw a flag every play because I'm going to run it, run it, run it, and just mm-hmm. stuff like this. I was worried about this when I heard the whining from Sabin and and all these guys. Here's the deal: learn to adapt to change. If you if you can't stop something or if you're having trouble, well, recruit, get better, get a different coach. I don't know what you do, but you can't change football every time somebody complains. But I just thought this was amusing. This is getting ridiculous, guys, and that's all I can say about that. But let's stay in uh, let's stay in football. We're going to kind of split between the college and the NFL right here since it affects both of them, really. The big story, I don't know if you all have heard about it unless you've, you've been snowed in for a few weeks, Trey. I'll start with you on uh, the big story out there. What do you think about the Missouri player that, that came out this week?
2: Well, I mean, Michael, Sam is the player you're talking about. Uh, first of all, I mean, what I can tell you is, is you and I have, have talked about him in the past and before you know this, this happened. Uh, he was the co-defensive player of the year in the SEC. He's a he's a solid defensive end uh, with a third to fourth round grade in the NFL. So I mean, you know that's not, there's nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, and a lot of the guys uh, you know would would kill for that draft rating and that you know and that kind of performance on the field. So I mean, the first thing I can say about him, Tarvin, is, is he's a heck of a football player.
1: So I want to let Cuervo know I see Cuervo in the studio. If you want to come in, press number one we we start talking about this, Jonathan. I- I don't know, when I first heard the news that he came out, it, it just made me wonder, really, why now? That's what I wanted to know, and I want your thoughts on that. And also, this could kill his draft stock, really. And, and, you know, after I saw the article you posted on there about these NFL owners coming out and saying they wouldn't draft him now. So tell us what your initial thoughts were.
3: Well, my initial thought was, um, why? Why now? Why now? I, what 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 you honestly? What does he have to gain from this? Because without this announcement, he is a surefire draft pick. Um, I mean, I've heard it, people say from third round to the sixth round, and the only reason why I've heard people uh, mention him being drafted in the fifth or sixth round is he broke down his game film and it came. You know, they're like, well, nine of his sacks came against Arkansas State, Florida, and Vanderbilt. So he had two and a half sacks in the other. You know. 10 games he played, not exactly, 11 games he played, not exactly the most impressive statistics you're going to find. You know, so it it almost becomes, it's it's almost like a fail-safe, where if he doesn't get drafted, or if he gets drafted lower than he thought, well, it's because I'm gay. Um, And I hate to say that, I really do, because in all honesty, net-net, the end of the day, I don't care if you like men, women, sheep, aliens, don't care. If you can go out and do your job, that's all I care about. You know, you don't go and get arrested. You just come out and play football. So that's all I want to know. That's all I care. I don't care who your boyfriend is. I don't care who your girlfriend is. I don't care who your mistresses are. Um, well, now, sure. I think when it comes to the draft stock, when it comes down to it, he's going he's gonna to slip, guys. He's going to slip. There's no doubt about it. He's no longer a third or fourth round pick. He's somewhere from five to seven. And if he out of the seventh round, I won't be surprised. The only team I think that can draft him take him and protect him is New England. The New England Patriots would be the best fit for him right now, no doubt in my mind. They need to go out and let everybody know we're taking them, you guys can't handle them. Because they're the only team I've seen, uh, you know, the past 10 years, not only do they have stability there with your ownership, with your head coach, with your quarterback, you know, but they've been able to take in problem children before. They've taken in the Dante Stallworths, the Randy Mosses, guys that have had troubles and issues in the past, taking these guys in. Uh, Alfonso Denard, who got in trouble again while he's in New England, and they're still able to really keep him running in quite well. You know, they, they, they take these guys, Brandon Merriweather, and they can corral them for a while. Brandon Spice, I can go on and on in all reality. You give me other rosters, I can go through it. And they control them, and you don't hear for them. How many times did you hear from Randy Moss when he was in New England? You know, and that's all you heard about. You know, before Randy Moss got in New England, it was, Oh, he's nothing but a locker room cancer. There's nothing good with him. He got New England. You never heard anything bad. You didn't hear him talk. So I think Michael Sam's best place would go to New England where they could keep him under wraps. They were able to handle the, team Tebow, the Tim Tebow fiasco better than any other team. They're able to handle it better than Jacksonville, who never even had him, the Jets, and the Broncos.
1: Trey, I'm afraid this. That- that maybe a team won't take a chance on this, and you've heard other players say it and coaches, they don't know if the if the league's ready for this yet. Do you really think a team's going to take him? I mean, do you think there's a team out there bold enough to be the one that, that took him and allowed that distraction to come in? And like Jonathan said, I agree with him. Who cares uh, what you do off the field like that? That has no bearing or impact on what you do on the field. So that's why I question why he did it, Trey, why he came out and even announced it. What does it really matter? At the end of the day, can you get the job done on the field? And I think this could really hurt him.
2: Well, I guess a couple of points. Uh, one, you know, he was going to get outed for sure. I mean, Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, Missouri has known about it for about a year. Um, but there were reporters who were re- basically saying, hey, we're going we're to report this. And, and why would they report it, Tarvin? Because there's a large section of football fans who wouldn't be okay with it. I mean, that's the only reason why you come out is because you come out and you beat the story. Um, it sells you, papers. Tarvin,
3: I'm sorry. It sells papers. That's the whole reason behind it. It's a headline grabber. Everybody wants to read about it. Everybody wants to pay attention. You're 100% right, Trey. Yeah, I mean, and,
2: and you talk, talk about for him, Parvin. I mean, I don't think um, you know. I disagree with people saying, "Oh, well, you know, I don't want you know these you know people talking about their sex lives." Well. I mean, how many other football players can I go into who we talk about their, their you know, social status, if you will? Well, I mean, Johnny Manziel, we talked about, you know, all season about him taking pictures drunk at parties with, you know, girls and doing, I mean, how is that any different? And, I mean, it's a new angle of a different story. We spend a lot of our time talking about athletes and their
1: social lives.
2: Uh, so first thought my misnomer is uh, that the argument that we don't do that all the time anyway. So we do. Uh, And then we talk about Mm -hmm. football for every (laughs) angle, social status included. I mean, we love football. We talk about it whatever we can. Uh, And so, you know, I think Michael Sam wanted to control the story because we all knew that when somebody announced openly this was going to be a story. And the second misnomer, Tarvin, is that the teams have dealt with this before. Just like Missouri knew Michael Sam all year long uh, was gay. They had no problem, you know, rallying behind him, if you will, and going 12-2 and two and making an SEC championship game. Uh, I, I would put money, all my money in my pocket, compared to all the money in anybody else's pocket, that they're NFL locker rooms, that this has been an open situation and people have known about it, carbon. So I don't think this is going to be as big of an issue uh, as some people think. Well, they act like this
1: that everything in Missouri was fine with all the players bought in, but when you read about it, all the players didn't buy in, but it does speak volumes that the players kept it under wraps enough to keep it in their locker room and didn't let it get out. I, I commend them for that. But what do you think, Jonathan, about his dad, his comments, his dad said, how he found out?
3: This, this is where I actually have a real problem with the way Michael Fame handled this, um, and, and it comes down to respect. And the way he told his father, just through a simple text message, I thought that was low class. I thought that showed a lack of respect. Um, yeah, you know, it sounds like his father has been a big part of his life, uh, his whole life. And and to tell your father that way, I think is was just wrong. And, and I understand his dad's, you know, almost disbelief. In which, you know, he, I'm shocked, you know. I'm, He's, you know, there's never been a sign of it. His two older brothers are in prison, you know, for being gangbangers. And, you know, we come from a man and a woman household. And I understand why he's confused. I I really do. I honestly understand it. And it all stems, you know, if Michael Sam had, uh, you know, and I think David had the respect for his father to at least tell him first before he told all of his college teammates. And I think that's what bothers his dad more than anything. His dad is sitting there going, wait, wait, so... Your teammates knew since August, and you couldn't tell me until you told the world. I, you know, and that that would bother me as well.
1: Yeah, I mean the dad. I mean, you know, it's probably different. Trey, you know, with your son and everything, he probably knew, don't you think? He just never was told by son yeah. until that text message.
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, there is another, you know, thing here. I mean, Michael, Sam doesn't even stay with his parents when he goes home. They're not that close. I mean, so I don't care how he told his family or even if he, even if he did tell his family. I mean, again, we are delving into and further into the private lives of somebody. And when we say, well, we don't want to do that. But we do. I mean, that's, we do want to do that. Uh, and, talking you know, another thing you mentioned about, you know, this, these GMs, you talking about the story that, you know, Jonathan posted, which was a you know great read, uh, just interesting that people would um, you know, sort of hide behind the message boards of anonymousness to say this kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, about the distractions. Well, Tarvin, the locker rooms uh, in NFL are still distracted by racism, and when we apparently have broken that, you know, you, you know 40 years ago or 50 years ago when, you know, Riley Coop, the Jonathan Martin, uh, Richie Incognito scandal. I mean, locker rooms are never harmonious. Uh, mm-hmm. And very rarely, I would say. So they're they're dealing with all kinds of issues of personalities, you know. So there's going to be people who don't agree or even like that somebody's, you know, gay in the locker room. There are people in that locker room who don't like people of different ethnicities. So I mean, they all get'll they'll they figure it out. If not, they don't they don't win on the field. But you know, this is not any different than you know somebody who disagrees with anything else than another player in that locker room may not mm-hmm. like.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, guys, and, and one thing I have
1: a problem with the media right now, it's it's, it's really no matter, it, unless you agree with this stance, really, unless you agree 100%, they don't want to hear from you or you're a bad person. But I think people need to realize that not all 100% of the people in the world are going to accept this right now. They're not going to accept it. It's fine. But don't come out and bash the the player or whoever does this and bash them, make them feel like they're a less of a person and everything. That's just what I want to say out there. But everybody's opinion is valued. You know, you can't change the opinions of people. If they believe it's wrong, it's wrong to them, no matter how many times you discuss it on the radio. If you think it's right, it's right. You can't change people's minds. It is what it is, the way they were made up. But Trey, I want to ask you something. When Tebow came out, you remember it was a a big media thing with Tim Tebow And he talked about Christianity a lot You know the media was upset A lot of people told him to keep it to himself And shut up And, and when something like this happens It seems like they want to celebrate it And he's a hero Why, why the double standard really Why can't everybody just accept everybody really And, and, and quit trying to, to decide Which one you're going to support and not It seems like the media has an agenda not Not only with Tebow But with this as well
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Well, I mean, I I don't agree that 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 went down that way because I heard just as many people with a Michael Sam situation saying, oh, keep it all private, that I heard saying it's for Tim Tebow. So it seems like depending on who you are, there's going to be somebody who uses that argument against somebody else. Uh, And, again, I go back to my point is is we do talk about this. You know, it is a story when Tim Tebow came out and said, I'm a virgin, Uh, whether we believe (laughs) that or not. You know, I mean, (laughs) He sure didn't act like it when he was hanging out with girls. Well, whatever. My point is is that we make stories about all this stuff. And depending on which side you come down, you know, people use the exact same argument, and they turn around when, you know, it's a different issue and use the argument they didn't want used to get to them. So, you know, I think we should just – that's all a distraction, part, and I think that, you know, it would all boil yeah. down to this, and we found it out with Tim Tebow, is can you play football? And then everything yep. else, it's just like the Johnny Manziel who cares, like, if you're not breaking laws, if, you know, then, then leave the guys alone. You know, if Johnny Manziel wants to run and drink and hook up with as many women as he wants to, like, it's not your business. If he wants to post it on Instagram, you know, and Facebook and Twitter, then we're all going to see it, and we're all probably going to talk about it, you know, and the same thing with all these other players. Well, guys, Cuervo is on the line. Cuervo, welcome to the show. What are your thoughts?
4: Hey, good evening, guys. I'm I'm heading home now from work. Um, you know, i i have I have a couple of different opinions on it. First of all, um, I would have to say that you know sometimes people don't like it when you're in their business. So, with that being said, it's kind of like you know. Why, why, why even mention it? Now the reason he mentioned it is because the guy, he's an honest guy. know I mean he, he gets interviewed and he, they ask him about his his preference, and he tells them, "Hey, I'm gay." Okay, and, and and you have to you have to commend a guy who's who's honest about something like that. It takes a lot of takes a lot of uh, you know a lot of fortitude to do that. You know I mean guys can just easily lie. And say, oh no, not me. so you, you got to give them some credit for that. at the same time, though, now you've brought this, all this attention on yourself don't I mean don't uh, don't don't be upset about it don't 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 shy away from it. When people ask you questions in the future, just not now you have to talk about it personally I, I honestly can't say that I would have said yes to that question or I, that I would have answered that question honestly because I'm just that I'm just a person I don't want that type of attention to myself because it takes away from everything else going on and for something like that to be the headline story I think is you know you're just giving the media more firepower to talk about something so, personally, yeah. I, I, I can't honestly say I would have answered that question 100% honestly. But at the same time, you got you got to give the guy credit. And, you know, it's funny because we judge guys sometimes, whether it's a player, a coach, an owner, a GM, whatever, when they do lie. So, wh- which one do we want as the media? Which one do we want as fans? Do we want to be honest about who they are and, and what they stand for? Or do we just want them to lie and, and cover up the the truth about who this person really well, is?
0: Well, what, what, what it, does it it's matter? Kinda like
4: it's a double. Well, what does it matter? What does it matter? As
1: long as he can do the job, you know, like in my job, Yeah,
4: I agree on the percent with you, man. I I agree. I I do, and and and, I, and that's why I think it's blown out of proportion. But at the same, like it, it, I think it's it's. Being talked about too much, but at the same time, I mean, it's as long as people are talking about it, they're gonna they're gonna keep bringing it up. So well, no, and as as fans, we need to just move on from it. Let's talk about hey, the Texans are on the clock. Who are they gonna pick? But we need to move on from it. And once we do that, then then the media will stop talking
0: about it.
3: Well, what I found yeah. interesting was Michael Stam comes out and they ask him, are you going to, you know, are, are you now going to be almost a poster boy for, you know, the gay rights groups and same-sex American art? And he goes, no, I want nothing to do with that. I just want to play football. So it becomes one of those things where it's like, well, why did you come out? And then you sit there going, well, when he brings up, well, I went to the Senior Bowl, I'm talking to some of the guys, and it seemed like everybody there knew. We're talking about players from Alabama. We're talking about players from, you know, Oregon. And they knew he was gay. And it just became where I think he kind of, he was almost forced into coming out with it because he didn't want anybody else to break the story but himself. Because at that point it's like, well, I don't want everybody go around telling everybody I'm gay. Just, that's just not how any any of us would want that done, let's be honest. So I just found yeah. that part of it, very interesting. I really can't hold it against him for coming out. I really can't. What I hold it against is the media and the way that people really sensationalize the whole, um, I guess, as you want to put it, the gay rights movement and, and how that, that sells papers more than this guy was the defensive SEC defensive player of the year, you know, slated to be a third or a fourth round pick. Let's say what he does with the Combine and bump his, his, you know, his status up to maybe a second rounder.
2: Trey, you had a question? Yeah, and here's here's my question. I mean, everybody talks about keeping this stuff private. I mean, you know, you Tarvin, I'm, you and I have been friends a long time, and I think we both know each other pretty well. I mean, maybe this Jonathan Quero, maybe this just strikes you as weird, but I know that, Tarvin, you're very proud of your wife. You post, you know, stuff on Facebook. I post stuff about my family. Is it any different for anybody else if Michael Sam wanted to post about his spouse? and then I mean, so I think part of this is, um, and it could be, that, you know, Everybody is proud of their own relationships and the people they love, and they should. If they want to express it, they should be. I mean, it's a free country. Express it. And so, my, partly, I mean, you never know. Um, maybe when you know, when somebody comes out like this, and like Michael Sam, and they're going to be a public figure, they do it so they can kind of live their lives without having to be clandestine all the time. Well, I mean, what do you think about that?
3: Right, just like Kwame yeah. Harris. No, you're right. I mean, Kwame Harris when he played for the 49ers. Yeah. He, he kept the secret from everybody that he was gay, and he would go to, part, you know, like, hidden parts of San Francisco to be uh, with his boyfriend so that nobody would catch wind of it. And he said he got tired, you know, after a while, he just got sick and tired of essentially, you know, hiding his life from everybody else because everybody thought it was wrong. And, and I, I agree, Trey. I think you're right. And, you know, at the same, you know, he comes out, and now he can live his life how he wants to without having to keep everything hidden uh, when it comes to, you know, just, I, you know, he went through there with his boyfriend be no different than any of us going to dinner with, you know, a heart honor.
1: No, I think it's more to do, I'll, I'll get your question, Trey, and I see what you said, Jonathan, but I think, really, he's a poster boy now, he's a poster person, he's a spokesperson for this. Think about it, the first one to actually come out and admit it, you know, this uh, current player that's going to be, that's, I think there's more to that than he wants to be free and, and do what he wants to do. But the bottom line is, can he play football? The media takes this and they spin it a hundred different ways. Can he play football? And, Trey, what about the players that are coming out that you hear are like afraid to be in the locker room? They're talking about having a separate shower and things like that.
2: What do you What do you think about that? What do you say to players like that, saying that? Well, I mean, Here's what I would say, Um, and, you know, I have a unique perspective. Uh, I've lived in a military that, you know, was had a don't ask, don't tell policy. Uh, You know, I deployed. Uh, When you deploy, when you live with people in a way that football players can't even imagine, Uh, you're pretty close. Uh, You're pretty close, and you're in pretty dicey situations at times. I can tell you, Tarvin, that the military overcame that pretty quickly. I mean, units, units were just fine. You know, there are gay special operators who came out, and, you know, those special operators, do the, the most crazy stuff you never imagined they live in four man teams and hold together, they see each other in every which way possible and and it doesn't bother anybody and because you know you just don't you' not worried about that kind of stuff when you're when you're when you're coming together as a union and so I think that uh the the locker rooms will be just fine i mean you, they'll they'll have an adjustment period you'll have players who aren't okay with it uh and that's just they're gonna have to be you know like I said before. Uh, I'm sure that um, when Riley Cooper came back to the locker room and took his, you know, several-week hiatus, it was probably because the entire locker room wanted to give him a beat down. Uh, and that they overcame that somehow, and the Eagles made the, play- the playoffs. And we all, other than Cuervo, predicted they wouldn't. So, you know, they clearly mm-hmm. overcame a pretty big, you know, hurdle from the very beginning of the season. And Jonathan mentioned the Patriots. I mean, they had players in the Patriots who were supporting Aaron Hernandez. I mean, and the guy may have murdered a bunch of people. So I'm sure that locker room wasn't as harmonious either. So I think that, you know, the whole shower thing, I mean, I think there are larger issues at play in the locker room, perhaps in this regard, and as well as other regards. I think they'll either get over it, Tarvin, or you're going to have to see personnel moves. And that'll, that'll be up to the ownership of how they want to do that. I mean, this is still a business. They still have to win. And so, you know, if it becomes a huge door deal, which I don't imagine it will, then ownership will have to get involved and, and see which way they want to run their team. Well, Cuervo, I'll
1: ask you a question right now. Uh, you're still there. What happens if he doesn't get drafted at all? What's the next step here?
4: Well, then he just he decides with a team as a as a undrafted free agent. I mean that that's that's the bottom line. And and for every team that passes up on him, I mean, that's that's another team that is missing out on a potential you know, great football. or not to say great, but good football players that can make a difference on their football team. And you know, I, as as Trey talking, I'm nodding my head because I've, you know, I've I've been through the same things that I'm sure he has uh, on different levels. But um, when 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 you are deployed overseas, you don't even think about that stuff anymore. Like, it, it that stuff becomes irrelevant because. You have to count on one another at that point when you're out there and you're doing your everyday your job, your job and your duty. So the problem with Michael Sam is, guys, this is what he's going to be labeled as now. And with with Kwame Harris, as as Jonathan mentioned, for for as many years as he played in San Francisco or in the NFL, he was just known as another football player. But once his teammates found out you know his about about him being gay then it totally changed and and i just do i agree with that not necessarily however that's the reality of it guys i mean
0: there's just some people that
4: are too immature to accept what people Mm -hmm. what, what some people are what what they prefer and to me that's that's immaturity that's why you know, certain teams, like, like say, if Michael Sam gets drafted by the Cleveland Browns, it's going to be a train wreck. I mean, that, that, that franchise is a train wreck in, in itself. If he gets drafted by the Oakland Raiders, it's going to be a train wreck. And like you guys were saying, he has to go to the right team that can that can handle the, you know, the, the situation. And it's not even really a situation, but, but it's going to cause, it's, it, it, you're bringing attention. When you draft a guy like that, you're you're asking for the baggage. You're asking for the attention that comes with it. So it's mm-hmm. got to be the right fit. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and guys, I just want to say this. And Trey, I'll go to you. You know, you said you know he came out because he felt like it was going to be broke. Tell me the difference. What what would the reaction be if it came out? That someone said he was gay and then he confirmed it, rather than him coming out and stepping up and getting it out there first.
2: What does that say about it? Well, I mean, I it's, uh, it's okay to beat the story if you know, if you think the story is coming out. I mean, everybody has that opportunity to submit. You know, we call it in the military, you know, drawing out the sting. If it's bad news, you want to somebody better tell you before you ask the question. Uh, and then it's, I'm not saying this is bad news, but this is news that is you know. <laughs> reactive in a way. I mean, people react to it. Uh, you know, so, you know, whether he gets asked the question and he responds to it or whether it comes out and he breaks it. And, you know, and I I'm okay, Tarvin, I'll tell you this. I was okay with Tim Tebow being, you know, a poster child for the Christian, you know, virgin movement, if that's a movement. Um, I'm okay with him. <laughs> saying, even if he did come out and say, hey, I'm gay and proud, and I'm going to be, you know, a spokesman for every little kid who wants to play football and be gay, I'm okay with that. Too, because I don't view uh, either one of those guys negatively if they want to stand out and be a role model for something they believe in, uh, you know. Because again, football is, especially the NFL, is sort of lying with criminals. And if I can get two guys, and this is the worst they have, no matter what you believe, I'm okay with that. I mean, Ray Carew, if you remember years ago, murdered somebody,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and is in jail. Aaron Hernandez, I mean, it, there are guys that we could put on a uniform, or, you know, put on jerseys for our kids, and be much worse off.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: well, Johnson, you remember the
1: show Playmakers that came out years ago? I don't know if you're, you're probably too young to watch it. I don't know. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have. Well, do you remember the the guy that came out? They they it came out. It was rumored he was gay and everything, and the the reaction of the team wasn't pleasant at all. They wanted him cut. They were they were trying to hurt him in practice. Give me the difference now. Between this day and age now, what do you think will happen compared to then? Or has it changed? Has it not changed?
3: I don't know if it's changed too much. I honestly don't think it has. I mean, and that's one of the things I was thinking about, in all honesty, is when you're discussing uh, the, the player, you know, Michael Sam, um, was are his players going to set, you know, are his teammates going to set him up to fail? Uh, are they going to leave him up good? There are going to be opportunities where, you know, he's not paying attention or he's trying to cover somebody in practice and he just nailed him back at full at full speed by a left tackle. You know, that, that's what you kind of got to worry about. Is you know, the first time, when Riley Cooper went back to Eagles, the first thing I thought about was, my gosh, Michael Vick's going to lay him out to dry in practice. First play of practice, he's going to have him run, you know, an in route and there's going to be a safety or a linebacker just waiting for him. You know, and that's that's always the one thing, you know, that, You have to be worried about with something like this, unfortunately. Is that going to happen? Where is the movement from the players going to be? Remember, we had Chris Cluey, who is suing the Vikings because the social teams coordinator, he claims, didn't like how Cluey was so um, pro-gay, if you would say. And now, you know, Cluey's out of a job. You have Brendan Abadeo who was with the Ravens, won a Super Bowl, and he started, you know, shooting off his mouth about how all these gay players are coming out and they're confiding in him and all that, and all of a sudden, he is out of a job. So it's very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where the head coaches are, uh, if anybody else, because, you know, a I, precedent I, I, was almost set with those two, and then Kwame Harris, once it was found out he was gay, he never got a job ever again in the NFL. You know, I, it's going to be very interesting to see how, where the dynamic is, how it is, because I don't know if it's changed too much. And Michael Sam... You know, people are trying to compare him to Jason Collins. Jason Collins did it at the end of his career. You know, he he kind of avoided all of this negative backlash. So Michael Sam's really the first um, test dummy, if you would say, when it comes to this. You know, I mean, Tommy Davis for the Dodgers back in the 80s, he was openly gay, and he was proud to say it, and he would tell reporters they wouldn't report it because they thought it was such taboo back in the 80s. You know, the daughters even hired, you know, offered him 25000 to get married to a woman, and he declined it because he said he <laughs> wouldn't live a lie. But n- nobody really said anything to Tommy Davis about it. So I don't know if we're going to get the Tommy Davis side of it, or, or if we're going to get the side that we all unfortunately kind of expect with an NFL locker room that, you know, like, like I think we can all agree, very immature, and that's why we see all these, like, stupid crimes. You know, I... And one of the ESPN writers made an interesting point where they said the 49ers, the Patriots, and the Eagles would be the best, you know, places for him to go. And the Eagles was because of Riley Cooper and Michael Vick. The Patriots because of what Belichick can do with, you know, guys like Dante Stallworth, Brandon Spikes, and et cetera, et cetera. And then with the 49ers, it was Aldon Smith. Now they were able to handle Aldon Smith, and you sit there and you go, well, Aldon Smith beat one of his teammates up, like, smash the face with a beer bottle, shot a bunch of people at one of his parties. Are you sure you want to put Michael Sam next to Aldon Smith? I know they played together at Missouri. Are you sure, are, are you absolutely positive you kind of want those two guys together? And it just, it's very, very difficult situation on where he, he can fit in where he might not take any negative backlash.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, guys, in closing here, I want to thank y'all for joining us, but the, the key to this whole situation is he's unemployed right now. He hasn't been picked. He's not under contract. He's not receiving any money. Nobody's obligated to him. So we're going to find out how mature, so to speak, the NFL is in this draft. If you really, if he gets drafted in the third, fourth, or fifth round, you know, just because of his talent, I think that's people are overlooking it and they're, they're, they want him on the team to help better than their team. If he doesn't get drafted at all, we know that really nothing's changed in the NFL. But the, the key is, guys, and Trey, tell me if I'm wrong, he's not employed yet. There's no, I'm interested to see which team gets him first. I mean, I, I think that's going to be the story,
2: which team drafts him.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, you're right.
2: And, and You know, and it's, you know whether you agree with the stance or not but John, what Jonathan says is pretty accurate I mean it, wh- which team you know drafts him is going to be important for his future just as well as the team's future because you know some some ownership some some GM some uh, some coaches can't handle any kind of you know real you know not say real I mean you're talking about you know criminal type of actions or you know
0: where you're,
2: you're, you're, are, you know your people like are as Jonathan said beating the crap out of each other I mean that's, that's a locker room issue. and you know, Riley Cooper was a pretty big locker room issue. Uh, you know, it takes – some coaches can't even handle – you know, that would have imploded a lot of teams. I mean, look at what happened in the Dolphins. Um, you know, they were a possible playoff contention before, you know, that whole ordeal, and they were terrible, you know, the rest of the season. you know, that kind of shows you where the locker room was. So, you know, we'll see, Tarvin, but you're right. He's unemployed right now. We're going to see what happens with this. And there will be something we'll talk about, you know, you know, from here on out, because it'll be something that everybody else is talking about. Well, guys, I want to thank you all for coming on
1: tonight. We're going to only do an hour tonight. We're going to be back Sunday night at 830. We took this past Sunday night off, uh, but we'll be back in Sunday night. Cuervo, anything before we go? Uh,
4: no, I, I mean, it was, you know, I appreciate you letting me on. I mean, I think this is a very interesting subject. Like I said, I mean, personally, I just... I hope we can move on from it. I, I by this weekend I would like to be talking about something else other <laughs> than this story because in reality it doesn't it doesn't need all this attention. It really doesn't. Uh,
3: Jonathan?
1: Anything before we go?
3: No, I, I just wanna say that uh you might want to pay attention to the rich, incognito John uh John Martin situation. It seems like it's about to uh really explode if any of you pay attention oh, to uh, Rich Incognito's Oh, yeah, that's going to get really ugly. I, I think we need to pay attention to that. Rich Incognito um, had himself an eruption on Twitter today, which, you know, if you read any of the leaked text messages, like I did, which, by the way, oh my gosh, these guys blow out a lot. But uh, it's going to create an interesting, inter- interesting setup. What happens between these two, and I just can't wait for baseball season to start because I- I'm really bored with the Olympics. There's no I can't watch basketball all the time, and hockey's off. What am I supposed to do with myself?
1: Well, Trey, I'll tell you this: I haven't watched uh, one minute of the Olympics. Have you?
2: <laughs> no, I, I, I think I, I would rather watch uh, reruns of some, you know, sitcom than I would uh, watch the Olympics. I, I'm not interested at all. <laughs> I see
1: posts all the time. I see people posting about the Olympics. I don't. Know. First of all, I don't even know there was a sport that existed with this. Second of all, I don't know the person you're talking about. And third, I really don't care. I mean, the, I mean, why would I care about the Olympics in Russia, really, Jonathan? I mean, am I am I a bad person because of that? Because I don't watch the Winter Olympics?
3: Um, you're an awful, awful American. No, I'm kidding. Um... I in all reality I feel the same way. The only reason why I tune into the Winter Olympics is for uh, men's ice hockey. Just like when it comes to the Summer Olympics, I really only really pay attention to basketball. You know, I, those are the only guys that are really relevant to me. I don't care about luge or skiing or, you know, the ballet ice thing. And I no, that's just not not sure. anything I'm. Really interesting. Well, well Jonathan, I, I
1: saw I saw a guy on Facebook last night in a sports group. I mean, he was very upset. It was a, yes, last night or today. I get my days mixed up with all this snow, but he was upset because the women's hockey team was undisciplined. Well, first of all, I didn't even know women had a hockey
0: team.
3: I <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I tuned in and watched them. I did. I tried. It was so sad. There's no hitting. There's no hitting. I can't watch it. It's boring.
1: Trey, I mean Trey, did you, did you know women did you know women's hockey existed?
2: I did. Um, you know, here, here's the thing, Tarvin. There's a sport called curling where you just you apparently just toss a puck on the ice and you try to get into a circle.
3: I mean, and so yeah,
2: you know, pretty
1: exciting stuff. I know, I know, I know. Cuervo's into the Olympics right now. I'm sure he's heading home right now to watch.
4: Yeah, well, I gotta fall asleep to something, right, guys? I mean, <laughs> I mean. I have got to turn something on the to fall, too, but, I mean, real, I mean this, this is why, first of all, first of all, I'm not even going to get into the whole hotel situation. Do you know they're using fake snow out there for the skiing events and all that stuff? It's 50 <laughs> degrees during the day in Russia. It's 50 <laughs> degrees. They're using fake snow out there. Are you kidding me? Oh man,
0: bring it here to Chicago. We got plenty of snow for you. <laughs> hey, bring it to
1: Atlanta, man. We can we can at least do a little bit, you know.
0: Hey. you know.
1: Oh, you know, we'll, we'll, that's where we'll host the Winter Olympics next in, in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, all, guys. I want to thank y'all for coming on, man. It's been fun. We'll we'll get on that incognito story Sunday. And, uh, guys, make sure you join us at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Sunday night. If you've missed it tonight, listen to the archives. And, guys, thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Stay warm if you're in the snow. If not, we'll see you Sunday night, guys. Night. See you guys. All
0: right, guys, have a good one.